Do you ever have one of those moments where something is suddenly explained to you that you've been hearing all your life, particularly in sacred scripture, that it just sort of like turns a light on and all of a sudden you kind of understand it in a new way and hopefully better than you ever did before? That happened to me recently in a brief discussion that I was listening to about the book of Genesis and the fall of our first parents. You know, so often people kind of ask the question about God withholding, you know, the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Like, okay, why did he even set it up that way? Because obviously, you know, the way that everything happened, it kind of led to a lot of problems, right? Like, why did he make that rule? Why did he not just let them have whatever they wanted? And what this person said, the scripture scholar was, or said, was you know, maybe he wanted to give it to them as a gift. I thought, wow, for some reason, just like that really struck me in a big way. And when you think about it, it does make a lot of sense because, I mean, he gave our first parents everything, you know, all of creation, the Garden of Eden, you know, dominion over all of the beasts, the animals, the, you know, the flowers, the trees, all of it. He gave it all to them, and yet he wanted to maybe give them some more. But in order to give them some more, there needed to be a time of eventually handing it on. And I mean, even thinking about our own lives, right? Like if, and I'll say this, it seems to kind of fit this year, because I don't think I've ever seen Christmas stuff going up this early. It's insane. Like we're not even to Thanksgiving yet, and it's already going, anyway. Um, but, you know, when you think about this, like, imagine, you know, the tree's already up in the house, some of the presents are already wrapped and under the tree, and the kids complain, like, Mom and Dad, you don't love us. Those, tr- those presents are wrapped right there. I'm going to open it up right now. Well, okay, you know, they can go and do that, but did that in any way build the relationship between Mom and Dad and child? Did it help things out in any way? No. I mean, there's something to be said in knowing the gift giver and trusting in him and gradually having that built up. And I bring that up today because I think it helps to give a key to the way that we look at this parable today. Because, I mean, it is a troubling parable, just like last week with the, the ten virgins, the five foolish and the five wise. And you think about it back to the beginning when our first parents reached out and took that gift on their own terms. It broke down the relationship with our Heavenly Father. I mean, before that, they had nothing to fear whatsoever. There they were, enjoying all of creation, enjoying their relationship with God who had come and walked with them in the cool of the evening of the garden. And yet, when they reached out and took things into their own hand, what happened? God came and said, where are you? And the response was, I was afraid. All of a sudden, fear enters into the world because of the way that they took things into their own hand. After the devil got in there, he was a liar from the beginning and tried to mess up the relationship between our first parents and our heavenly father. And what did it lead to? Fear, division, ultimately them not knowing our Heavenly Father as they once did. All of a sudden, the very one who breathed life into them is one that they're afraid of. And why? Why does that happen? Well, all of a sudden, it's as though they don't know Him. And I think that's the danger that we have to guard against. 
You know, last week we heard as the doors were locked and the five foolish virgins were left outside, you know, our Lord saying, I don't know you. And I would say today we kind of get the reverse. It's almost as though that servant that had the one talent, who was afraid, who dictated back to the master this sort of like litany of who he's supposed to be, right? Master, I knew you were a demanding person harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. What is that? I mean, this is the master who entrusted all of his possessions to his servants according to their ability. He didn't even say to the one who didn't have the ability to handle all five, he gave him one, right? But still, one talent and just the little bit of scripture study I've done this last week a talent apparently weighed anywhere from 50 to 75 pounds. It was like silver and gold. I mean, something substantial. He's giving them all his possessions. He's giving them everything that he has. And what's this guy's response? I knew that you were demanding. I knew that you don't care about us. I knew that you were going to say all these terrible things. I was afraid of you. And what does that lead to? It's a breakdown in the relationship. It looks back to the very beginning when the devil essentially was saying, you can't trust him. Did he really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? No, but Eve let that doubt creep in, didn't she? And the thing is for us right here and right now, the temptation to let fear come into our hearts happens every single day. I mean, the devil all the time is whispering in our ear, did he really say he'd be with you through this? Did he really say he'd stick with you through 2020? Did he really say that he would be around when the going gets tough, when the relationships are hard, when work isn't working out, when you have these doubts? Did he really say he'd be around? And if we give into that, if we act like, frankly, the wicked and lazy servant, why is he wicked? Because he's imitating the devil, the accuser of our brothers, the accuser of God himself, that he doesn't really care about us. He doesn't really love us. But my brothers and sisters in Christ, we cannot give in to that kind of thought. I mean, think about why we're even here right now. Think about the inconvenience of needing to be outside. I was saying to the guys this morning, this is the first Sunday since all of this and coming outside that we actually had to kind of debate. Do we go outside? Do we stay inside? It's either been beautiful or it's been ridiculous to go outside. This is the first time it's like, well, there's a chance of rain. It might be a little windy, but it's like, hey, let's roll the dice. Let's go for it. Let's go outside. But why are we here on a Sunday anyway? Because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Yes, he bore the cross for us, right? He knows that to follow his Father's will is not a walk in the park. But what comes from it is the resurrection, to trust in the love of our Heavenly Father, to trust that his good overcomes the fallenness of this world is what we have to do. And when we do that, goodness follows. When we come here and celebrate the resurrection, we remember that no matter how many doubts the devil whispers in our ear, we remember that the master is good, that he's given us everything. He's given us his son. 
His son gives us his body, blood, soul, and divinity. He puts it all into our hands, into our hearts, and we have the opportunity to participate in that, to take it out into the world, to bring light into the darkness. And remember, St. Paul told us we're not children of the darkness. We're not children of despair. No, we're children of the light, children who know that he has risen from the dead, children who know that our Heavenly Father has given us all of his possessions, that he loves us. And even though the devil is going to try to pull us away from that all the time, we cannot act like the wicked and lazy servant. He'll try to pull us away. He'll try to pull us into despair, try to pull us into burying everything we have in the ground. No. Tell him to go back to hell. Don't listen to the devil. Listen to the one who says, this is my body which is given up for you. That's not the line of a demanding, sir, or demanding master who gathers where he does not scatter. No. You know where he scatters? Into our hearts. You know what he gave us? New and eternal life in baptism. He, he brought us into the body of Christ. He's given us everything. The way we're to respond is to imitate him, to give it back, just like Jesus did throughout his life, all the way to laying his life down on the cross, and as we celebrate today and every Sunday, in raising, raising from the dead. We have hope. Don't listen to the darkness. Don't listen to the fear. Stay awake. Stay alert. Stay sober. Don't let the fear, you know, lead you into some kind of drunken stupor. No. Listen to our Lord. Look at the fact that he has given us everything. And I would say this would be a good exercise over the next week and a half. It's one of probably the greatest secular holiday we have. Thanksgiving is coming, and it's incredible, right? And it's not just because of the turkey and, more importantly, all of the wonderful sides. It's the fact that we get to stop for a second and say, wait a tick, he's given us everything. To take the time over the next week and a half to do a little litany for yourself of what am I thankful for? What do I have in this life? And too often, it's easy to say, eh, nothing, it's all bad. It's not. It really, really isn't. Look at the fact that where we are right now, yes, we are outside. But you know what? There's no military coming down the road to stop us from doing this, right? We have the freedom to worship, the freedom to practice our religion, the freedom to become saints, the freedom to practice and join in and be co-workers of the truth, to do good in this world in the incredible way that God has given us according to our ability. Remember last week that our Lord said to those five foolish virgins, I don't know you. Take the time over the next week and a half to get to know him better, to ask him to help you to see all the things that he's given you, all the talents that he's poured into your lap, to get to know him better. Because the problem is, and I think this is the issue with the wicked and lazy servant, he doesn't know the master. How could he possibly enter into the master's joy? Because ultimately it is a relationship. It is a knowing each other back and forth, a realizing what he's given and an opportunity to give it back that he lets us participate in the work of redemption throughout the world, to fill up what is lacking in the crucifixion of Christ, according to 1 Colossians 1.24, right? That he gives us a chance to participate in the work that leads to the resurrection. 
My brothers and sisters in Christ, I know it's a crazy time. We say it all the time, right? But we have no reason to be afraid. Our Lord is with us. Spend the time thanking him. Spend the time getting to know him. Read scripture. Pray the rosary. Get to know him and listen to his words. He's given us everything. Let's ask him for that grace to give it back that one day we too might hear those beautiful words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, share your master's joy. Praise be Jesus Christ.